Hey guys, welcome back to a dram of diving. Uh, we are uh, blessed with the presence of Tech Clark. Uh, we'll bring him in in a minute. Uh, I just want to say hello to everybody and uh, let you guys know that the comments are functioning on YouTube and Facebook Live. Both are going. I posted links to uh, the scubaguru.com, the podcast, uh, both the podcasts we're going to talk about soon. They're up in the comments already, so they're up and in there. Uh, again, thank you very much for the glass purchase orders. Uh, we sold out of another case. Uh, so uh, I think we might actually have one left maybe, but I'm going to place another order. Uh, Pre-order pricing is going to go until June 1st. So just to give you guys a heads up that that's going to change June 1st. So if you're pondering, uh, if you haven't thought about it, then you want to get one of your uh, Glencairn glasses. I know it's a little bit hard to see with that, but if you want to get one of your Glencairn glasses, uh, I would order them before June 1st, uh, before the pricing goes up. Uh, and we really appreciate all the support as well as anybody that's joined in on Patreon. Thank you very much. So we are going to jump in with Tech Clark and say hello. Uh, and next week, we're actually going to be doing some public safety stuff based on some requests that people have gotten. So without any more delays, let's bring in Tech and say hello. Hey, Tech Clark, how are we doing, bud? Good, Jason. How's it going? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on A Drama Diving. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Good. Uh, you actually just dropped a podcast uh, today, right? I did. Yeah. 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 Today, um, every Wednesday. Every mm -hmm. Wednesday. So uh, it came out a couple hours ago. I put the links up to all the podcasts, but it's going to be the top oh, one up there. Uh, so tell us what the one this week was about, and then we'll go into some background history and all that fun stuff. But let's get that out of the way real quick. Well, the uh, the podcast that came out today is the Dive Locker. It's a weekly podcast, but a Dive Locker is the only podcast for dive professionals. It's just specific content to dive pros, and it's all meant to increase their areas of leadership, of teaching techniques, risk management, dive business, and that's what it's about. And so, as you all know, everything has been so much about COVID-19, and it mm -hmm. just on and on and on. And we're just hearing that. And I think it's a brilliant thing that the agencies are pouring out stuff for us for standards. And how do we come back to the quote unquote new normal and on and on. And it just, it's been going on for such a long time. And this past weekend, you know, I'm here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida and um, Memorial Day weekend. So we're dealing with um, a holiday that's on basic lockdown, which is odd. Yep. And then the holiday itself is a very sentimental holiday mm -hmm. and one that, you know, requires a lot of reflection and your blessings and those that have gone before you and those that have served and sacrificed. And you combine that with a weekend full of absolute torrential downpour rain <laughs> yep. and no diving. I was going to go diving Friday, no diving. And, um, it was just one of these things like I actually for the first time in all of this coronavirus stuff, I actually felt it. I felt mm -hmm. down and just in a funk. And I realized one of the things that, you know, we need to focus on is how do we get out of these this this kind of funk? And uh, for me, it was just taking a quick look at. um, um an ITC, an old Naui instructor training course from the early 90s that we shot just to hand movies. It's on VHS. <laughs> I had to dust off the VHS player. Nice. I know some people don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, so there's a big cassette yeah. tape. You might want to clarify <laughs> that. Yeah. Exactly. A huge cassette tape like this yeah. big. It goes in. It takes forever to rewind or forward or anything like that. And so I put that in and it was just all my buddies and my mentors. And so then to look at your mentors and then to look at your students and to reflect back to the early 90s, that was a massive inspiration that kind of took me back. And so that was unique. Um, watching Big Blue, the Big Blue, one of my favorite movies. Um, and then I'm just, you know, just sitting here going, wait a minute. What is inspirational? What what is it that we can tap into? And so for me, this this episode's podcast was about no guests, no interviews, no sponsorships, no coronavirus resources. Just let's talk about what made you 
passionate about being a dive pro? What makes you passionate about being a dive pro? Why'd you get into it? What are the things that, that ground us in that? And so that was what the podcast was today, the episode all about today. And so we'll see, you know, I'm inviting everybody that uh, listens to it to join in the conversation. So we can either go to the website site and, and click the microphone and leave a recorded message or email me or put it on uh, Facebook under my personal or, uh, or the scuba guru Facebook doesn't matter, but I'd love to hear from other dive pros to see what it is that they're doing. That's keeping them inspired right now in a time that's kind of weird for all of us. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what the call to action is for this week. Beautiful. I mean, and that's an excellent transition. That's why I started with it is no, normally we start with like, Hey, how you doing? What's what you've been going on with it. And you kind of hit the nail on the head with, you know, Hey, what's your inspiration? What's going on? How, how are you doing yeah. things? Um, so, I mean, that leads to how are you doing? How are you hanging in there? How are those things going? And leads to the fact that I need to grab some whiskey. The fact that you've got a drink right there. So I'm going to yes. grab my whiskey. Will you tell us how you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll cheers proper once you uh, get that open. That works. Um, I would say things are going very well. You know, I am blessed to have a, a, a wonderful family um, that is now home at mm -hmm. this time. So two teenage kids and a wife um, who is a clinical psychologist and my teenage kids are into sports and everything else going on before all of this happened. You know, mm -hmm. we were just a scattered family all over the place, running errands, running, you know, here and there and just being crazy, um, living, you know, quote unquote life and, and doing all the things. And then this happened and you all of a sudden realize, oh, my gosh, there's just more to what we were doing. And we need to say no to more things because the amount of connection we've had as a family has been off the charts. Incredible. I taught mm -hmm. my, uh, my kids and my wife for that matter, how to play Texas Hold'em. Nice. It became like the, <laughs> the cool game in our family, you know, so I'm going to send off my daughter to college and hopefully she can, you know, run the board on, uh, on some college guys up there and, nice. you know, sweep them up. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I love it. So it was, it was a really funny thing to do that. And then I'm also blessed to have, uh, um, a university job at Nova Southeastern University where I run the academic diving program. And our university is so incredibly supportive, letting people work at home. Um, even when we don't have scuba operations going on, we're still, we're still paid, we're still hired, we're still valued by the university. And that is an amazing blessing. And then um, a couple podcasts and other things that I've got going on. And it's just really funny to see, like all of a sudden now podcasts are in and webinars are in and, and yeah. it's like, Oh, okay. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> now I, other people are joining in. It's awesome. Yep. So it's changing yeah, things really well. Good. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So, um, Lots of different things are happening. And one of the, the things you talked about in the podcast today was uh, getting back to and realizing that you haven't really done as much of your own diving as you kind of had hoped. Um, and completely, I understand I'm, a, I'm the dive safety officer at SUNY ESF. I own a dive shop. I do training. I, I was working as a sales rep, and I'll probably go back into that. Uh, so many different things and, and trying to grasp that coming back. And I've always made a standpoint of, okay, preseason or like one dive on a dive trip or, or whatever. I need a couple of through the year, a couple of dives for myself to keep at least um, if not more. Um, I always try to sneak away whenever I can, but uh, I'm assuming you didn't get to do that because Memorial day got you rained out. Right. right. So what's the next dive that you're planning that you're going to get back into it? Where are you going? What are you up to? It's next Friday. Next Friday. Good. <laughs> so we just moved it to next Friday. And, um, you know, basically, uh, we're looking at it. Um, there's a couple of ways, actually. I mean, number one, we're actually going to do some university work. We're mm -hmm. going to be getting into some citizen science work with Project Baseline. Um, and with that, we are looking to host um, the uh, dive sites that have been dive stations and the mm -hmm. stations at each dive site are the ones that we would be monitoring. And we're going to do that in the dive sites that we frequent here with our dive program. 
but not for our, our scuba classes, but for our club. So it gives our club members, especially our marine biology majors, the opportunity to actually engage in some good citizen science work while they're still undergraduates before they become di um, scientific divers. Um, and so what we're doing is we're going to go out and over a series of weeks, this is the perfect time to just go field assess and find sites that we want to measure and record over time with Project Baseline. So that's the fun side of it. Uh, excuse me, that's the work side of it. The fun mm -hmm. side of it is that um, one of our uh, staff members uh, at our dive program, uh, Kimmy Schmaltz, she worked um, and uh, oh, oh, I'm just forgetting the name of the company. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Broadreach. Is it Broadreach? Oh, I I better. I don't know. I forget. I, oh, my <laughs> gosh. I forget. But anyhow, she was, you know, on these um, live aboard, like, you know, um, uh, sailing vessels that would take all these teenagers out and they would go all through the Caribbean and different sites. And yep. she would be one of the dive leaders training them in scuba and then taking them on the trips and everything. And she said what they had on their, on their staff there was they had emotional, emotional. Um, oh gosh, what was the name of that? I'm forgetting the name of that. <laughs> it was basically an emotional rescue dive that was all about just like, we need this. Mm -hmm. And it was not with the, the students. It wasn't with any of the kids. It was just the staff that would go get their emotional dive on. Um, and I thought that that was a really cool thing. And, and we want to employ that too. So, you know, we're looking at inviting our staff out so that they can get some diving under their belt. But, you know, what I was saying in the podcast is absolutely true is that, you know, I, I hate to say it, but after 30 years of being a dive pro, um, I can't walk onto a dive boat without just doing a complete risk management assessment. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the boat, it's the crew, it's the other divers on the boat. It's myself, it's our equipment, it's everything. And the checklists are just, they're constantly mm -hmm. going. And then if you add your own students to that and you add all these other factors and variables and maybe it's rough seas and you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's right. really hard for some dive professionals, myself included, to sit back and have a really good pleasure dive and enjoy it. And so because of that, that's where you kind of get that disconnect. And yeah. uh, and we had one of our staff members, Annie Savan, who did a Pucha Ketcha presentation and her presentation was about dive pros and do you get to pleasure dive? And that was a real awakening for me to say, no, I don't, I haven't pleasure dove in a long time. Uh -huh. So. My followers that are on the podcast uh, know that uh, I'm transitioning. I'm using this time right now to transition into free diving oh, and nice. become a free diving instructor. So that is a, a passion that I've had for a long time, but I've suppressed it, just focusing mm -hmm. on so many other things in life. And this was another awakening that came about from this time in lockdown to say, no, come out of this stronger than mm -hmm. we were when we went in. Exactly. Uh, Wesley Scott. Well, let me do Brock. Well, this is kind of going back to what we were saying before. Just hey, want to throw what's a what's a cassette tape <laughs> going on. And that was from prior. Um, but Wesley Scott has a question. Do you accept volunteers tech prerequisite training? What's what's up with what you guys got going on there? Hey, Wes. Um, you know, with our dive program, uh, it is mostly geared for the students, faculty and staff of Nova Southeastern University. Um, but that's with our academic diving program. Now we're there, we serve to get the students ready and, and recreational diving, but also preparing them in the scientific diving realms. So at Nova Southeastern University, we have a huge marine biology program, both undergraduate and graduate. The marine sciences are one of the top schools at Nova. And so um, we exist to serve the, that community, to raise them up as divers. And so for the AAUS, you know, as you know, with the scientific diving, uh -huh. those five prerequisite certifications that we have of open water diver, advanced rescue, nitrox, um, and oxygen provider, 
we serve that need. The scientific side of our dive of our, our university doesn't do the training. They do the AAUS and scientific dive side side. So our dive safety officer is focused on that side of the house. So, um, with our program, we're gearing up all these students and they grow up through it and then they become dive masters and instructors and they lead the dive club and it's an mm -hmm. awesome program. We have 20 something staff members. Um, the scientific community out at the Oceanographic Center though, Wes, is where you would look in for the volunteer side of things because there are certain labs that are out there that look for volunteers. One of the great and most famous ones is our shark tagging program. And with that, Dr. Mahmoud Sivji um, has one of the top shark uh, data tracking and monitoring programs in the world. And we're doing it right off our shores here of uh, Broward County, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, get on a dive boat and catching sharks, tagging them, measuring them, doing the data collection, and then sending them off. Um, so you can be a part of that. And then, you know, we've got the coral transplanting that's going on. Um, so there are ways to get in touch with our scientific divers to be a part of what they have in volunteer arenas. So that does go on. Um, and I can put anybody in touch with the, the powers to be to, uh, to do that. Excellent. Very nice. Good. Great answer. Uh, so let's get back to a little bit of, let's talk about your history. Where, where'd you come from? How'd you get here? All that fun stuff. Uh, but keep it in uh, within a couple of minutes there. <laughs> Cause I know yeah. you've got a long history. <laughs> yeah. Right. That ain't happening. Uh -huh. uh, no, but it's, I, I started off diving when I was 12 years old here off of Lauderdale by the sea. Um, went out and uh, was hooked, loved it, went through my open water diver advanced classes when I was an early teen, um, and then went to University of Florida. I dropped a golf class to get, you know, I had a conflict and there were the guys there saying, hey, um, you need to get a, a PE credit? I said, yeah. They said, are you a diver? I said, yeah. And uh, they enticed me into becoming an assistant instructor. So I signed nice. up for a two credit assistant instructor class. The rest is history. After I went through that class, I was a horrible assistant instructor. I had all these <laughs> conflicts and everything. I was bad. Um, but at the end of it, uh, everybody seemed to really bond with me and, and they liked me. And, and so there was a, this urging, hey, you should come through the instructor course with us. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not good enough for it. And I hated physics. I couldn't do the skin ditching recovery. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was not good. But... Um, the night before, one of my friends convinced me and I called my mom up and I said, mom, can I borrow a thousand bucks to be a dive instructor? And she said, well, it's something you can always fall back on. And that's been our running joke forever. Uh, once I became an instructor with that program, I went right into instructor trainer, instructor training, multiple agencies, um, speaking at conventions, writing, um, and then doors opened. Um, and so those doors opened and I was able to... Um, land an internship with the YMCA of the USA, which had a scuba program back in the day, a very popular one. And then um, that led to a consultant position, that led to assistant director, and then eventually the national director of the YMCA scuba program. When I left that, I did forensic dive accident investigation. Um, I also had a time with Broward Sheriff's Office, time as dive master uh, before that even. Um, so I've done a ton of stuff in the, in the dive industry. Um, including ProDive, the resurrection of ProDive that happened. I was able to be a part of that resurrection. A great group of people, legendary uh, group. And then um, on to Nova Southeastern University. And that was just a blessing to, to have that happen. I mean, it just astonishes me that you could have been taken out in the first round of the Great Dive podcast bracket. <laughs> I mean, that is just ridiculous with, with the history that you have to be pulled out. That is garbage. But you got to look at everyone else. <laughs> I mean, come on. Stephen yeah. Frank goes. Yeah. John yeah. Chatterton goes. Jill yeah, that's Heiner garbage, goes. by the way. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So It's know. rigged. Whatever yeah. Brando wants, he gets, except for Creature, apparently. So <laughs> I'm team Creature all the way. I know it makes him mad. So, um, <laughs> you know, he lives down here, by the way. Does um, he? <laughs> yeah, the original uh, 
oh, I'm blanking on his name now too. Darn it. I haven't even had enough whiskey to be having so much memory <laughs> loss. It must be my age. No, you need um, more whiskey to help your memory. Right, That's exactly. how this works apparently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if it's not evident by the brain, it's the gray in the beard, but um, no, uh, oh, it'll come to me probably by the end or when yeah. we're done tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he lives right down here in uh, Davie, nice. Florida the original guy and he's apparently writing a memoir really? on all of his time as the creature of the black lagoon but he was also on thunderball and yeah. uh and everything great great cool guy yeah that'd be very interesting to see all right so uh we kind of digress but brock had a question that i think we should get answered how does the academic program that you're doing differ from the standard agency training programs obviously the students must get significantly more face time and in water time yeah so yeah, you're right, Brock. Um, that's how it goes. And the deal is, is that academic diving, you know, I'll take you back to that time at, at University of Florida when I got in there and I remember the very first night um, as an assistant instructor candidate and I sat down in the staff meeting and the director of the dive program um, going through a whole bunch of stuff said, all right, who are the two new divers that we have? And me and another guy raise our hands and the whole room chuckles because the, me and the other guy, Scott, came from outside. We did not grow up in the academic dive program. We you know, got trained elsewhere and then came in and the whole room laughed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you bunch of arrogant people. And there were these stabs at Patty and, you know, all that stuff and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I don't know if I like this. And you people. Mm -hmm. And the director of the program basically says, that's okay. Welcome to the world of academic diving. We'll see how much you really know tonight in your pre-assessment exam. <laughs> and um, I took the YMCA advanced diver exam. Now I was a, a Patty advanced diver at the time. And I took the YMCA scuba advanced diver exam. I scored a 32%. <laughs> <Wow>. 32%. So that was pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, and that was my awakening to what academic diving is. What we have is this luxury of being able to teach students over an entire semester and teaching over a entire semester, like in our academic courses, that's 15 weeks long. So in our academic open water diver course, we're spending four weeks just on snorkeling, skin diving alone just to get that. And yeah, they're doing underwater breath holds with mass clears and everything just to build a proficiency. And then we take them through the rest. And so it's mostly about skill variations and skill repeats. And because we get to put so much skill variation and skill repeat into the development of the diver, they come out exceptionally skilled and comfortable. And so when we go to the lake and then onto the boat and we say, um, you know, here you go. Every open water diver is nervous when they go on their open water mm -hmm. checkout dives, right? Our people are too, even after 14 weeks, yep. right? But then they, they look and we say, well, that class right there, that's a weekend scuba class. You know, they're getting certified <laughs> in three days. And the students just turn their head and they go, how can that, how can that be done? Yeah. You know, they actually can't process it. And then they watch students that are literally struggling with mass clearing and things like that. And then jumping in and doing confined uh, open water dive one. And so that then solidifies that the world of academic diving is so very different because the amount of time and the amount of um, academics that we put in. So our program does uh, does patty for our our diving level, our open water divers in our four credit class, read the Encyclopedia of Recreational Diving, and they are tested and quizzed on that. So yeah, they'll go through the e-learning on the side, but in the classroom, we're taking them to a way higher level, which means that as professionals, if we're teaching our open water divers to the same level of theory that a paddy dive master is expected to know, that means that our world has to be pretty buttoned up for knowledge mm -hmm. as well. And so that is another piece of the academic diving is that we 
we have a broader knowledge base and we like to pour that into the students because we're giving them two credit hours. So it can't just be what you get out of the box from a certification agency. It's got to be more. And that's where our contact hours flourish. But even in our recreational programs that are not for credit, our open water diver class is six weeks long. It meets two nights a week for six weeks. So, you know, with all that, um, we're, we're very happy to produce students that are comfortable and competent and qualified when they go out into the open water environment and they get on the dive boats. And our promise to every student is this at the beginning of class, you are going to be more comfortable and more prepared than the majority of other divers that are coming out of their training. And you'll be even more comfortable than some seasoned divers. No one believes us. Not one. Not <laughs> one person believes us until they're done with their open water checkout weekend. And they go, you're right. There were mm -hmm. people that didn't know how to set up their scuba equipment. There were people yeah. panicking. There were people this and that and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, you've got such a great thing by having all this time that you can invest in this dive training. And they get that. And then they love it. And they're kind of hooked. And then they go to advanced. And then they want to be a dive master because if they're a student, they mm -hmm. want the coolest job on the university. Right. Yeah. <laughs> be a scuba instructor or a dive master with the academic dive program. Right. Mm -hmm. Getting paid to dive and take your, 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 uh, um, your, your other peers diving with you and everything. Right. And teaching them. It's so cool. Yeah. So cool. So yeah. that's what we, we have a great time at our, at our academic dive program. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the education, I mean, that's what keeps people diving, right? So the, they were looking at that. What was the issues of people not continuing on? Why weren't they be, why weren't they going further and diving and continuing to dive? It's because they didn't feel comfortable The those weekend little, here's just enough to get you out of my class type of situation is, is not enough. Um, oh, and, you're so right. Yeah. That's you're so right, Jason. And, and you know, anybody listening to this, if you want to have an experiment, um, you can get on offer up Craigslist eBay, but OfferUp is really good because it's regional. So is Craigslist. OfferUp app. If you throw in just, let's say Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, throw that in there and type in scuba, scuba equipment that you're searching for. You're going to be amazed at the amount of full sets of scuba equipment that say the words brand new, used once, used twice, used three times. And so I've, I've told this to many people and this might, um, <laughs> this might be distasteful to some, but I have inquired and I have just kind of gone down that rabbit hole with some people and said, you know, looking at your equipment, I'm curious why, you know, why only used a couple times? You would be amazed how many people say I can't equalize or, <laughs> um, the, you know, it's not for me or my, um, husband wanted to do it. I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have heard so many stories and they're all very sad and it's really, you know, you hardly get, uh, we've run out of money and we can't yeah. afford scuba diving. You, you right. don't get that. This is South Florida. You can go off the beach. You just right. have to pay for parking and air in your tank. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, when you hear that, it's very indicative of, and then just, of course, just uh, discussing with people informally, uh, you hear how people are just put through really abbreviated courses and abbreviated mm -hmm. training, and they never got the opportunity to clear their ears, and they have been dismissed, mm -hmm. and they uh, check out, and they yep. basically say, I'm done. And my question to every single person that I ever come in contact with that tells me I can't dive because I can't clear my ears. And I say, can you equalize in an airplane? And they say, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you mean you chew gum <laughs> or blow your nose and you can equalize an airplane? Yep. yep. But you can't do it underwater. I'm, so I'm sorry. You're just not doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. Physiologically, you are able to do this. Yep. You know, let's work it. Let's work yep. through it. And it's amazing. So unfortunately, when you lack co contact hours like that, then then those things suffer. So it's, right. it, it's kind of sad. Yeah. And it's the, that's the race to the bottom, right? That's the, we're just trying to get yeah. as many people pushed through and it actually hurts everybody because especially with the pricing of open water classes, the way people have them priced, it, you're not even making money on those. So you're not making money. You're just, you know, 
just pulling everything out of the entire, you know, the industry um, and not making it so people continue on and and looking at um, like I teach SDI. And one of the big things we did, we don't teach advanced almost ever anymore, because when somebody comes in, they said, I want the next class. We say, well, why? What do you want? What What do you mm -hmm. really, truly want to learn? And they say, well, I want to go deeper. I want to figure out my navigation. I, I just can feel lost. So, okay, here's the class for you. We're going to go ahead and we're going to give you multiple dives and make sure you're really good at that one thing. And they go, oh, okay, that sounds great. And we go ahead and we, we funnel them into there and they just love it um, because advanced adventure is considered one of those sort of specialties and not core with, with yeah. the SDI program. So, which you. has been huge. Like it's just, we haven't sold a single one anymore because people that want to go deep, like you want to go deep. I'm not teaching you one time. I'm going to take you out. You're going to do two or three dives. You're going to have a pony bottle on. We're going to make sure you understand everything about actually going to this deep situation. And it's, you know, it's, it's all about that training. So. I like okay. that. You know, you're speaking something really important here. When we look at this kind of sampling of an advanced class, let's take it to here, what we're talking about, like in in um, in the very competitive sense that that is going on in South Florida. There's a dive shop on every corner. I'm being yep. facetious, but, you know, so the competition is really high. So what happens to engage and get people in is to undercut the competition. Mm -hmm. So that's where you're seeing our $99 scuba classes, three days and so forth. And so now that undercutting uh, gets the person in the door. And now they have hidden fees all over the place sometimes. And that that is a whole nother mm -hmm. soapbox of mine. But, you know, the deal is, is that they're they're competing on that so that they can make the equipment sales. But what mm -hmm. is suffering is the training. And then what we're also seeing is that they are suppressing all of the cost factors in that course. So seasoned instructors that would command a little bit more money. Nope. Open water divers are going to go with the newbies. Mm -hmm. um, pool sessions done in apartment complex pools so that they don't have to pay the rental fees of municipal pools that have deep water mm -hmm. um, all the way to our open water dives. We have uh, some shops that all four checkout dives are going to be done beach dives. Well, that means you don't go much more than 23, 22 feet deep total in your entire experience. You stick your gauge in the sand, you might get to 230. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is we're seeing that take place. And now, so if an open water diver comes out and their deepest dive that they've done is 30 feet as an open water diver. Now what happens when advance comes? Well, when advance comes, now you've got those same shops saying, well, now you get the dive boat experience. <laughs> and most of our dive boats are either going to some pretty beefy sites or our second reef, which is going to be on an, our, 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 we'll see on our artificial that, that does our slope down. And we'll get down to that 70 foot mark um, in the sand, 72 in the sand with an artificial reef or wreck on top of that. That's where we're taking our open water divers and they're doing mm -hmm. their mask removal and replacement at 60 feet precisely. That's our yep. limit on the, on the standard. But then we're watching advanced courses. And the advanced deep dive in the person's logbook is 70 feet. And you're sitting there kind of going, there's the air management in the same, narcosis isn't the same, mm -hmm. you know, all of the things. So I applaud what you're saying, because what we're seeing is kind of this super watered down thing. And now a person comes out, they go, I'm an advanced diver. They head down to the bib or the Duane down in the keys and mm -hmm. the dive boat says, we're only taking advanced divers on this wreck. The person's never been below 70 feet. Uh, they're, they're narked out of their gourd because now the current is ripping, ripping. down there as well. <laughs> and now the CO2 is impacting. Mm -hmm. And they never got that. So I like what you're saying. If you pay attention more, you're actually giving them more in mm -hmm. that area that's of interest to them. Yeah. And that's like, and I've been on, I've been like a flag on a line on on those wrecks before. And I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we talk about in our, in our IDC, when I teach an IDC is, um, it, and I, I throw the question, I go, right, who, who's going to apply for their deep specialty as soon as you're done? You guys been deep. You guys, you guys going to be a deep instructor? Like, oh yeah, me, 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 me. All right. Uh, how many of you guys have seen a computer in deco? They go, uh, uh, we, I didn't have to be tech to do this. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, have you ever seen a computer in deco and they're like no 
Okay. Well, I've got a pressure pot in the back, so we should probably at least do that. If you're going to take students right. to 130 and get yourself flirting right on the edge of things, you might right. want to know what your computer looks like in Deco. Like, let's talk right. about that, you know? Right. Um, and it's just, it's it's that preparation for stuff that's just, that's crazy. Um, right. Oh, uh, Wesley Scott, best course I took was Solo Diver. Self-reliance is key. Um, very interesting. What's your take on that, Tech? Yeah, I saw Wes's post on that the other day, and I didn't comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to admit I'm not a fan of solo dive. That's fine. Um, and um, I think that there is um, there is an element and a need for it, and I think that to go through it will teach you things about yourself and about almost a sustainability that you had never thought before because you have relied on a buddy and we've gone so hardcore into the buddy system. That is what I appreciate about the solo diver type of program. But in actual application, I have to admit, I rarely meet people in this line of work that are recreational divers that should do that. Because the majority of the people that I meet that say that's what I want are precisely the people that should not be doing it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's that's what I see. And so my experience dictates that um, it's kind of for the wrong reasons. But, you know, kudos to you, Wesley, is that, yeah, Uh you're getting out the different things that you've never considered before Mm -hmm. in more of a self-reliance and more of how do I get out of this if my buddy isn't available? And look, that's what's happening. I mean, we go on dive trips and we're buddied up with strangers that we don't know. And you can do everything you want to try to get, hey, you know, let's talk about if we need to air share. Let's talk about this. What what computer are you running? You know, you can talk and plan as much as you want with that stranger. But the fact is you might jump in the water and that stranger just takes off and they are lobstering or they are doing photography and Mm -hmm. you are completely off their radar. So in essence, are you solo diving in that capacity? One could argue you are. So I think that that's where there's some real benefit and looking at it in a different way that says, what can I gleam out of this? That if I were to ever be self-reliant, how can I? So right. that's that's my caveat. There's yeah. some really good elements of it, but the people that I've seen that have gravitated towards it are usually not the ones that should. They're yeah. they're doing yeah. it for ulterior motives that aren't really wise. See, I particularly enjoy teaching solo, um, and we'll get to the whole thing in a second. But yeah, so uh, one of the things that I was I was in even beyond the camp that you were like, oh. Buddy system, buddy system, buddy system, buddy system. There's a bunch of different things. Uh, using the terminology team versus buddy changes the whole psychology of the everything. Um, thinking about mm. that. And, and um, I still, we had been using that terminology, but I sold that sold that completely from East Coast Divers after we had been using the, the terminology anyways. Uh, Nick and Alex talk about it all the time. Like, it's it's a team. It's, it's not, hey, we're buddies. It's a team. We're together to doing this skill, this thing together. Um, and it's got that more team aspect. And then... Um, I was like, ah, solo is, is not is, is self-reliant. Solo is not, not a thing for me. And then somebody mentioned, he goes, uh, um, it was when I was crossing over to SDI. And they, they were like, so uh, how, do you solo dive? I'm like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't solo dive. They're like, so every single time you take students out, you uh, completely have the utmost reliability that they'll, they could mm-hmm. save you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I probably do solo dive. Yes, that you are probably correct in that statement. That's, that, <laughs> that's interesting. And then I started teaching solo. And my solo course is like you said, I'll take students on. My solo course is very hard. I teach it a lot. I enjoy teaching it. The number of people that come out qualified at the end of it is a very different story. They oh. go into it, they see what it's like, and they'll be like, yeah, that was my three dives. Um, I understand the situation that I'm getting myself into now. And I love what I have learned. However, you are right. I should not solo dive. Thank wow. you very much for your time. And we see that a fair amount. Um, but it's... wow. And um, I actually have people that now are like, I want your solo course. And I'm like, you did hear that. It's very, very hard. Like, yes, I did. Like, all right, then come on on. Like, it's uh, all right. You're more than welcome to. And uh, it's just a different way of teaching it. Like, they come with expecting that, you know, 
you know, you're going to be left with some things that you probably need to work on this. You're not going to get this this weekend. This is not going to happen. Um, so That's just a different awesome. perspective. Yeah. So you got to earn it. I'm going to, I talked to you before they sign up. I'm like, I have to hand you a card with my name on it that says you can go in the water alone. Yeah. And if you die, my name is going to be pulled up immediately. The fact that you went in the water alone, like, do you think I'm just going to hand you something? No, you have to earn this thing. Right. So uh, it's very hard to get. Um, but yeah, that's, that's cool. it. Yep. Um, um, just checking this, the chat there. Beautiful. All right. So um, we have, we have gone down a rabbit hole in multiple different, different directions <laughs> here. Um, I don't think we're going to a single question that I really, truly wanted to ask you. So um, let's uh, redirect back into uh, forensic diving analysis. You kind of threw that out there. And I don't think that's something that's, um, I've seen very much in, in looking, you know, prepping for the interview and looking back through. Um, and when I hear something like that, that I haven't heard too much about, I don't think others have heard too much about it either. So can you talk about your forensic dive analysis stuff if you can? Yeah, sure. Forensic dive accident investigation. Um, it kind of started for me for, um, uh, when I was telling you, I was at the university of Florida, my mom had a bout of cancer that I came home for, uh, during my college years. And I was, <clears throat> I want to say 20 or 21 at the time. And um, I came back to Fort Lauderdale and I was with mom while she was going through, through treatment and everything. And I'm an only child and single mom. So, um, you know, I was there for her, but then um, I also needed to do something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so uh, I wound up getting with a dive shop down here called Orbit Marine Sports uh, I did private instruction with them and I was a dive master. I didn't want to work the shop um, much. I wanted to be out there and I wanted to you know, kind of experience that. So I did that. But at the same time, you know, I had given up cave diving. And so I can't cave dive down here now with my <laughs> mom and, and down here. So I wanted to do something a little bit more extreme. And so I approached Broward Sheriff's Office dive rescue team and um they actually did take on volunteers and they looked at this college kid with, you know, kind of long hair and, uh, and said, you know, son, what makes you think you can do this? Um, we have seasoned hardened road deputies that are dive masters that they do their first vehicle recovery and in a canal and they throw their credentials down after that and quit the team. What makes you think you can do that? And I just sat there with the lieutenant and I was kind of, you know, like, oh, well, I, I cave dive and I'm okay. And, you know, zero visibility, you know, that type of thing. He's like, all mm -hmm. right, we'll give you a shot. And sure enough, I did it within one year. I was a public safety scuba instructor with Dive Rescue International. And I was an instructor teaching the members on the team. That's nice. how much I just had skill sets that allowed me to do that very well and comfortably. And, um, I wasn't really phased by it. Um, that started my passion for law enforcement. So because I had all these security clearances to be on the dive rescue team, then I went through the Palm Beach Police Academy, became an auxiliary officer. Then I was able to go out with Marine Patrol, go out with the helicopter unit and do um, in the very first episode of Cops, there's only, you know, I don't know how many of your listeners are going to remember <laughs> the show Cops. But uh, when it first came out, it was all profiled Broward Sheriff's Office. And I was in several episodes of Cops nice. doing reverse stings. So um, with that, it was like I got this, uh, this I became an adrenaline junkie kind of in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that was like I loved that side of what we did. And I wasn't a road deputy that had to do all the things. So I got really hooked because I was doing all the sexy stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, um, mom gets good. Uh, I go back to University of Florida. I direct the dive program, um, graduate, come back, do the YMCA thing. And it was during my time at University of Florida that I went through the full academy and I became a Gainesville Police Department officer. And so I did that while I was going to school part-time while I was teaching scuba. And so a bunch of things worked back together that when I was down here, 
there was an opportunity to come work for Di um, uh, Dive and Marine Consultants International, which works with our insurance. So we've got our liability insurance that are that's from the different agencies, but the different agencies with our liability insurance also have on retainer forensic dive accident investigators and defense attorneys. And it's all about knowing the industry and knowing standards really well. And that was what I was brought in. I had the investigative skills from my time in law enforcement, and I had a background in dive agency training standards, being a multi-agency instructor and a prior national director of an agency. So it was kind of the perfect storm that helped with that job and that role. But I will say it's the darkest side of our sport. Mm -hmm. It is where an incident has happened. That incident could be minor or it could be major. And when you're dealing with that, um, I would have to go to my peers. And the, the way that you are in the defense world is to understand what the plaintiffs are going to want mm -hmm. to discover and find out. So even on the defense side, it is challenging to go to your peers and try to find where they went wrong mm -hmm. so that you can understand a case in its fullest, its fullest scope and what truly were the issues that were involved. And so, um, you know, we all teach it in the IDCs. You do too. Why do mm -hmm. we have the waivers and releases? Why do we have the medicals and everything mm -hmm. like that? Well, I got to see and live firsthand when those things weren't done right, mm -hmm. when standards were violated and how it led to a fatality. When you start to see it firsthand, it isn't, it isn't just, oh, that's what they say we should do. Now, there are reasons for all of this. And when you see that people die because of uh, simple things going awry, uh, standards violations or whatever, um, that's where it gets to be super dark. And that's the dark side of our sport is when you have to investigate the incidents and accidents that happen. And of course, a lot of times it is uh, not a fault of the dive professional. It's that the individual had... Uh, uh, their cardiac event just happened mm -hmm. to happen on that dive, but yep. the autopsies don't reveal which happened first. Did the mm -hmm. cardiac event happen first or did the drowning happen first? So that becomes a challenge. And that's where the investigative skills come into play to, to try to get that, to get out there. So like when Dan Orr gives his presentations on, um, on uh, diving fatalities and accidents and accident statistics. And he talks about um, Divers Alert Network just put out, uh, well, in their last re reports, and I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like 60% of fatalities that are suspected to be cardiac events, they actually had symptoms of cardiac event prior to the dive. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that, then, that's where the investigative process becomes a little bit better, especially on the dive professional to say, you know, look, he has a medical history. He had these signs and symptoms before the dive, and then this is what happened. But unfortunately, the family doesn't see it that way. Mm -hmm. They see a loved one, a great father, a provider for that family that has just succumbed to a recreational sport, a yep. wonderful activity that they loved, but they died. Obviously, someone's at fault. There must be mm -hmm. something wrong. And that's when litigation starts to unfold. So that's, that's the nutshell of what uh, the forensic dive accident investigation was and, uh, and what I did in that role. Interesting. I mean, we had, we had Gareth Locke on and, and he was talking yeah. about the, the if only stuff, the if only movie that they are a film they yeah. just put out. And, and, and it's just very interesting seeing the different sides of things and, and how to navigate all of that and create a just culture. And for all of us to learn what well, we still can't talk about it at the same time because of, you know, all litigiousness of our society. It's, yep. it's very interesting trying to figure out how, how can we all grow and develop and still have checks and balances, which, which is, you know, the classic challenge. Gareth um, is a rock star. He really yeah. is. And what he's doing and his passion 
for safety is mm-hmm. is unparalleled. I mean, you've got people that, yeah, their their jobs are risk management and safety in our industry and things like that. Divers Alert Network does a great job. But when you look at Gareth, he's he's got a, an academic background mm-hmm. that then lends itself into a much more complex way of breaking down incidents mm-hmm. all for the ability to prevent them in the first place. I think it's brilliant. Yep. I've started requiring uh, some sort of the human factors training before all IDCs and uh, cool. tactical training. Everything has to have some sort of human factor so we can at least have that conversation. Uh, yeah. And now that he's got the online programs, yep. that makes that so much easier. Yep. You know, for years he was just bouncing around the world, mm-hmm. you know, and it'd be like, yep. hey, I'm coming to South Florida. Do you want to get together? Oh man, I'd mm-hmm. love to, but you yep. know, so now that he's going online, that just that's a game changer. Yeah, we had him here about a year and a half ago, and then we 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 require the online or the book or whatever. So, yeah. um, it which is very interesting. So now I got to pick and choose because we're up to close to an hour. My God, I got so many questions that I need to ask you, but um, I think because of the way we've been answering questions, and there's probably a story behind this, I've got a loaded question for you. So. Yeah. Uh, you have what was today the 38th episode of the dive locker, right? 38 was today. Yeah. Um, and then how many leave, leave League of Extraordinary Diver episodes do you got? We should be about 32 or 34. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we got two different podcasts. We got two different kind of subsets. One's kind of more of your profiling divers, and one's kind of more of the dive professional stuff. Do you have a favorite episode, like somebody that you were dying to, to conversate with that you talked with or, or got a, the topic that you got to talk about? What, is there anything that just sticks out as like the podcast you've done so far? Oh, mercy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, it's a great one. Um, it requires thought and you know, I think that if I scrolled through all the the names and episodes, I'd be sitting here like fireworks. Just uh-huh. yep, um, because there are just so many fantastic stories and so many fantastic people, and some of the stories that are in the League of Extraordinary Divers podcast are just jaw dropping, and you go, "No, really!" And mm-hmm. some of them you're howling, laughing, um, and so I think that there's there's you know in a, like my favorite funny story is this guy's and my <laughs> favorite, you know, tragic story or scary story is this one and on and on. So it's hard to pick a favorite, but if, and since I'm being forced to, <laughs> I would have to say Dottie Frazier. Okay. The first female scuba instructor. Mm-hmm. I believe that my episode with her was one of the most revealing of history. And I've talked to some real legends in the industry that have been around from the beginning days and their stories are epic, but Dottie's stories, I think were some of the best in terms of a glimpse at that time. And so here is the first female scuba instructor in our industry going through this male-dominated macho sport that is uh, originated military diving, right? So all of the instruction (laughs) came military and then military from the LA County into the YMCA into the early NAWI, right? And so you look at that and here comes this petite woman, but she had just this aquatic comfort and this zest and she could come in and run circles around the guys and they didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And at first, you know, I mean, her interview just talks about like, you've watched the show mad men, you know, really cool show, but you, you obviously see the sexism that went Mm -hmm. on back in those days. Right. She talks about how that was just so alive and that men would just, you know, scoff at her for Mm -hmm. even being a diver not not much that she's going through all these ranks to become an instructor and all that she had to deal with. And there were bold men that raised up that said, "Uh uh-uh, 
you're not going to treat her like this. She's one of the best. And mm-hmm. you'll see, you'll get your butt handed to you. And sure enough, those stories were, I think, so cool because we've watched how women are shaping our dive industry right now, not only at the low levels, at the instructor levels, and at the administrative levels. We're mm-hmm. seeing this, and it's awesome. My yeah. staff at Nova Southeastern University is mostly female. And so when we look at this, um, that was the big thing. I Her episode just kind of blew my mind. I, I did not know that existed. And to hear her story of heroism, heroism, if it's a woman, I don't know. Anyhow, to hear her story of that, how she overcame all that was just awesome. So I would give that my number one favorite pick was Dottie Frazier. Nice. Um, actually, that leads me to another question really quick, because I've got you here. Your dive classes at the university, what is the demographic like? Males versus females, approximately? Do you know? Six, 60% female. So we are at like 80% female. And it was just for hearing all of the, you know, diving's a guy sport, diving's a guy sport. And from the recreational owning a shop perspective, it's been, yeah, mostly males. And it has been semester after semester after semester. We're like, uh, you're the only guy in this class. Sorry, yeah. dude. Like, yeah. uh, or you're welcome. I don't know. Um, right. So it, it's just been interesting that you said yep. that where we're in the exact same situation. We we didn't know what, what that was, but that's, that's very interesting. That's what we're seeing too. And in my last class, last semester, before we uh, closed down the winter semester, the Tuesday night, and then the Thursday morning, the Thursday morning class out of eight students in that pool lab, three were male out of the eight in the Tuesday night class, all women, really? not, wow. not one woman. So that one sways us, you know, out of 16, there's three men. Um, but when we look at all the other classes, it, it starts to go. Uh, Nova Southeastern University actually has a higher ratio of women to men at the university student body anyhow. Um, but to find that it is represented in our activities and diving is really awesome. I like yeah. that. Yeah, super exciting. Jill Heiner has been at the shop and we've done some stuff yeah. with Jill and stuff like that, which, which we've just been trying to, you know, women in diving, women in diving, women in diving. We're seeing at the university level, which is great. Um, hopefully that translates into, you know, into that having a little bit more representation, both sides. So, yeah, which is, uh, so like I said, when we were talking before, uh, I planned for about 45 minutes worth of material. I go through my five minutes that I thought I was going to cover and it ends up being, uh, I've got so many more questions for you, but, uh, since we're coming up to an hour, I'm going to back you out and say goodbye. And then I'll bring you back in. We'll chat in it after I uh, say goodbye to everybody else. But, uh, Tech, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We just scratched the surface of things I'd like to talk to you about. Maybe we'll have to have you back on. That sounds great. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Jason. I really appreciate the time. It's been a lot of fun. Any parting words for the guests on the show? Oh, you know, I think that uh, those that are listening, kudos. You're staying active. You're staying involved. You're 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 just soaking it in, and I love that. I love that when we can just experience what there is in diving and learn from others, whether it's the historical or whether it's something you'll gleam something out of it, and that is a really cool thing. So thank you guys. Thanks Brock. Thanks Wes. Thanks guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Tech go, and then I'll uh, chat with you after it in a second, and then uh, I'm gonna talk to everybody on this stream. All right. Thanks Tech. See you guys. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the show once again. Uh, it was a pleasure having you guys on. It will be saved on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe oh, that eh, that direction. You will be able to subscribe right there on uh, on YouTube. Uh, Facebook doesn't have a subscription, but YouTube, you can subscribe right there. We do have a Patreon if you would like to support us in that aspect. We got some things that I'm working on in June uh, to... Uh, take it up another notch. Uh, we'll see what ends up working out for us, but we're going to try and take it up a little notch. Uh, it's going to cost me a little bit, but I'm going to try to do some things. Uh, so any support would be help us out a ton, uh, buy those whiskey glasses or just throw us a, a like on Patreon, just a dollar a month helps out. Uh, anybody can do that. I will post a link. So thank you very much for watching. 
on this Wednesday night. And we're going to try and uh, keep it to Wednesday nights if we can going forward. Uh, have a wonderful night. Stay safe. Be healthy. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you guys. Thank you very much. Have a great night.